John Fiore, Miami Sports Pod. And last week I opened up with the celebration and the all the teams were winning. And all of a sudden this week we get here, guys, and we're talking winning again. I mean, we've got the Dolphins have won two in a row. What the heck is going on with the Tank, the Canes? All of a sudden with Jerry Williams have won three in a row. And the Heat, despite a bumpy trip are playing good basketball, but now with everything handing over with Dion Waiters, so that was the negative turn of the week. Uh, so let's get to all of that. Will Manso, Clay Ferrero, Dookie Lang. I don't even know where to start because I think that our listeners and people in South Florida have, are going in so many directions, right? But I, I think we probably should start with the Dolphins winning again. Clay, we've spent so many months talking about Tank. Last week we said, okay, it's a bump in the road. This team's still bad. They're, they're not going to win any more games. Now I'm starting to think, not only are the Dolphins messing up the tank, they they may win four or five games before it's all said and done with some of the teams that are up on their schedule. Yeah, and and I think we have to start by focusing on the positive of this, and, and it's that they went into the house of a team which had, maybe still has, playoff aspirations, a team that has one of, if not the best offensive lines in the entire league, and Brian Flores and his staff devised a defensive game plan that was just awesome. Now, of course, they're playing with a backup quarterback in Brian Hoyer, and yes, that does make a difference. However, there are plenty of teams out there this year that have done a lot of really, really good things with backup quarterbacks, and this was a Colts team that badly needed a victory. So for the Dolphins to go on the road, do what they did, I think it just kind of continues what we saw last week of they are buying in and they're becoming more familiar with the program. They're becoming more familiar with what the coaches are trying to do. And I think that bodes so well for the future, regardless of what draft pick they end up with. I'll be honest with you, I spent all Sunday thinking like that. I spent much of Sunday thinking, hey, I, I, I may actually buy in the Brian Flores. I've liked Flores throughout, but the way he's coaching this team, the hard work, the discipline, the least penalized team in the league, all the positives of that on a roster that just, quite frankly, no matter how many games they win, isn't very good. But Dookie, then I, all of a sudden I started turning as hours pass to... Oh my God! If they keep winning games, we're gonna just be keep. We're gonna stay in this vicious cycle of mediocrity because the Dolphins aren't a talented football team. They really don't have anything where you could say, "Well, they've got these young guys. They have a nice core, but they don't have superstars right now." They they they've traded away most of their big names. Xavier Howard, you know, is out for the year. He signed long term. Jerome Baker, some nice pieces, but overall, this team needs players. They keep winning games. They're going to miss out on the biggest one of them all, potentially a quarterback. This might not be good long term, as no matter how we feel about it short term. Yeah, I don't think this team has a good core. I think that they're playing hard, and I think that that has been a consistent theme throughout the year. Even with the tank, even at the beginning of the year when they were giving up historic losses in the first four games, you didn't think they weren't trying you just got the vibe that this team is just really terrible. But what I thought Sunday showed is if you're in the NFL, and no matter how bad the Dolphins roster is, it is an NFL roster, okay? If you're in the NFL and you are a team that consistently gives effort, you're going to trip upon a few wins. Like, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The other team's going to have their third-string quarterback who's going to make some terrible throws, and you're going to put up 16 points and that's going to be enough and that happens sometimes i think long term it benefits the dolphins to ensure that they get one of the top quarterbacks look maybe the dolphins brass went to that alabama lsu game on saturday which i know they did and they thought to themselves well 
either one of these guys are okay, so maybe we don't have to worry so much about Tonga Vailoa because, man, if if the Dolphins, like you said, let's say, I mean, look at some of the games they have left. They play the Jets again, who are terrible. Maybe they won't sweep them, but they're terrible. They play the Giants. You and I know the Giants are really bad. They play the Browns, who are a team who are very inconsistent and are walking. They play the Bengals. That's four games right there that they could possibly win. If they win three of them, they have five wins and they've messed up the tank. So, the you know, maybe, and Will, maybe this is something to consider. Maybe it's just the amount of first-round picks that they have that they're counting on. So, okay, we don't get the one, two, or three pick, but we take two firsts and we flip it into a top three pick and get the quarterback. Maybe that's what they're banking on, but... I don't think that yeah. as much as as great as it feels inside the locker room, I said this last week and I maintain it, the 2019 Dolphins could really hurt the future Dolphins. I'm, look, uh, we've been here long enough and Clay's followed football long enough to know even before he was here what the Dolphins were as far as mediocrity. I remember 2000, what was 2011, uh, I, the suck for luck year, the teams that, that you know would win these games late in the season and you feel good, but that regime didn't last because those wins never turned into anything that meant players in the future. And I know there's going to be listeners, Clay, that are going to say, hey, Come on, look around the NFL. Lamar Jackson was the 32nd pick in the draft. Baker Mayfield was the first. The Browns are terrible. The Ravens are great, and they're happy to have him. You uh, Countless examples of quarterbacks going in the middle of first to the late first to, to mid-round picks that have turned into starters. Of course, everybody wants to point to Tom Brady. Point being that there, are, there isn't just one way to get your quarterback. But you've looked at this draft and these QBs, and I know you watched Saturday. I mean, when you watch that game... I don't care how proud of a Dolphin fan you want to be to say, I enjoy every win. My goodness, you left that game thinking, I want two or a Burrow. And now all of a sudden, they keep winning games. They're not going to get two or a Burrow. Yeah, and that's dangerous. That's the dangerous part of this whole thing. And, and you and I were talking off air about this before we came on. I think the one positive about all of that is that I don't know how many quarterbacks that are going to be potentially drafting ahead of the Dolphins are going to need a quarterback. How many teams are, are going to be looking for their franchise guy? Because so many of these guys already have him. So many of these teams already have him. You know, one that comes to mind that's a perfect example is the team that the Dolphins almost beat here for what would have been their first win, Washington. Mm-hmm. And that's a team Dan Snyder, the owner, grew up, or excuse me, uh, used to go to Dwayne Haskins games when Haskins was, was growing up and when Haskins was in high school. So he has his guy. The owner of, the, of, of Washington is is happy with their franchise quarterback. The Giants have their franchise quarterback. I don't see the Jets giving up on Sam Darnold at this point. Um, and you go down the line, and, and all of these teams that you think could be, I guess, threats to the Dolphins, yeah. the Arizona Cardinals, another yeah, one. Yeah, they're not going to take a quarterback. They just did it, man, th- th- three straight years of a first-round pick. Yeah, the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, they got so much money invested in Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. so... If there is a positive in this thing, I think that, yeah, so if the Dolphins finish, I don't know, with the fifth or sixth pick, the teams ahead of them, you could see one of those potential Philadelphia deals. Remember when Philadelphia yeah, traded up? Make and sure they get Wentz. Yeah. We, we've seen, look, the Bills made sure they moved up even despite having a top, you know, getting in the top ten. That The Jets traded up to get Sam Donald. I mean, we talk about it all the time, and you know this well because you study the draft a lot. To get your quarterback, normally you do have to move up. Most court, actually, let's use the draft of two years ago. Right? Was that that's the perfect example? I yes. think every team in that draft in the first round moved up. Even they Lamar Jackson, we talked about the Ravens had to move into the first round again to get to make sure they got Lamar Jackson. So there is a 
very good possibility that if the Dolphins fall in love with the quarterback, the way it's looking now, they'll have to move up and get him. I guess bottom line is this. You have to weigh the do you buy into the culture that Brian Flores is building as this is more than than just a couple fluky wins against whatever bad teams or whatever, or you buy into what he's selling. Do you buy in, Dookie, that Brian Flores is, I don't want to say the right guy because it's hard to predict that after 8, 10, 12 games, whatever, but do you see what Brian Flores is trying to build and like it? I liked Brian Flores before he ever coached a game. I liked his resume. Mm -hmm. I like his personal character. I like every story I read about his biography. I think he is a high character person. I think that much is not really debatable. The question is, is he a good football coach? If you consider a good football coach getting the most out of your talent, I think two wins out of what he's been given so far is about the most he could get out of his talent. Um, it would be curious, though, to see what he would do with a good team. Who knows? And, and you know, maybe if you are a young coach, he's under 40 years old, this is his first head coaching opportunity, to get an opportunity with a team that is supposed to be tanking, right? What yeah. get, Jim Mandich used to always tell me, what gets coaches fired? Expectations, right? Nobody had lower expectations going into Brian Flores. Everybody wanted him to lose every game. What does that create? Huge opportunity. Yeah, There was only up to go. So every win is considered a miracle. So every time they pull out a win, even if it's against a third-string quarterback, even if T.Y. Hilton didn't play on Sunday, who's probably the Colts' best offensive player, even if that didn't happen, who cares? It's a win. Flores has him playing hard. I don't know. I would like to see with some sort of expectation with some where it's a real situation. I don't feel like this this experiment in 2019 is a real situation where I can make any kind of evaluation. But I I maintain my initial position which is I think Brian Flores is a good dude. I do. I have. So that part of me despite the the logical part that's like, "Oh man, they're going to hose themselves" is all right, well, Flores is a good dude. And, and well, my, my whole thing about this draft that you guys are talking is, can they get a quarterback about whom they have conviction, right? Because that that is my big concern. My concern, and Clay, you know these quarterbacks, is I don't want the Dolphins to get someone because he's left. I don't want them to get some. I want whoever they take, and I'm not... I'm not Chris Greer. It's not my job to pick their quarterback. But I want whoever they take, I want them to genuinely be high-fiving in the war room because that was their guy. And the lo the lower they fall, in my opinion, the less their chance that they're actually going to get it. And that's my fear. No, and, and I think that's 100% valid. And, and all you have to do is look at Ryan Tannehill. And, and where you Perfect tra example. Traded up to see, traded up to get the guy who was left. And I think that is the one nightmare scenario if you're a Dolphins fan. Now, I will say this. I think it's been hammered into the head of everybody in that organization, and everybody that has been around has seen it, that that is the yeah. one thing that they do not want to happen. So what I think will ultimately happen if they cannot get a quarterback about whom they have conviction, and I really like how you put that, because I think it's, it's better to put it that way than to say, oh, if you don't, you can't get one of the top two quarterbacks. Well, who do we know? I, I mean, I, I think Joe Burrow and, and Tua Tungavailoa are the two best quarterbacks yeah, in this draft. Well, because, I, I'm, I'm well, because Will... I'm saying that because I, the, the, the reality is we don't know what's going to happen from now to the draft, and we all have discussions as fans for our teams, you being a Saints fan, Duke and I are Giants fans, you know, when we're away from work. 
Last year at this time, I wasn't thinking the Giants would get Daniel Jones. I, Daniel Jones didn't even cross my mind. Remember that? It was always thinking about, at the time, we all thought Justin Herbert was the number one yeah. QB and was going to come yeah. out. He ended up obviously not coming out. I love Dwayne Haskins putting up these huge numbers in Ohio State. By the way, the Giants passed on Haskins. They had their opportunity to get him. And all of a sudden, Daniel Jones gets drafted, and while he has a massive ball security issue, that's a whole other topic for, leave that for a Giants podcast, the kid has got talent. I'm actually really excited about the future potentially for Daniel Jones. So I guess I'm only bringing that to the Giants and that story, because we're sitting here talking to and Herbert and all this stuff, and this time next year, we could be looking at from Jake Fromm of, of Georgia and saying, hey, that, that, that kid, we didn't talk about him last year. They thought he was like the secondary quarterback, and you, you love him as your future QB. So there's a lot still from now to the draft and in the next season to be determined. And that's what you guys were talking about. When you guys were talking about teams that had their guy and had to make a move, to me, that is conviction. Sure. Trading up is conviction. Trading two picks because that's the guy you want. I want Carson Wentz. I, you know, I'm comfortable staying here because I want Lamar Jackson. Whoever the quarter, that to me shows conviction. Not, we have the sixth pick. Two is gone, and Fromm is gone. Yeah. Uh, I guess we take Herbert and hope he. Ta- that that is, and I could. That would be, and I hate to use this phrase. That would be the most Dolphins outcome in a it, year where they desperately need a quarterback to end up taking. Uh, all right, fine. you know what? He's pretty good. No, and, I agree. And, I, and so if if there is if there's like a, if there's a one two three on their board mm-hmm. and one goes one goes away fast and there's two they better do everything in their darn power to get it because otherwise these wins are going to be the reason that they can't get their two and then they get their fourth well, best quarterback. Play to your point though. I mean, look, the Bengals are the one team we know that is needs a quarterback and will take a quarterback early. Yes. I mean, whether that's Burrow, be the Ohio kid, or whether it's it's two of the spectacular, you know, best player in college football the last couple of years when you look at his whole body of work. The Dolphins are in position with the draft picks to to then make an aggressive move with someone and get that number two pick potentially. Now, if the Dolphins end up getting ninth or tenth, eleventh pick, now you're it's a little bit complicated. But I think if the Dolphins stay in that five six range, you could still work your way up and get that quarterback that you really want to get. Can I tell you the one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence from a Dolphins perspective when it comes to this, Josh Rosen. I mean, we were sitting here, and and every one of us felt like, hey, you got to play Josh Rosen all year. You got to play Josh Rosen all year. You got to see what you got. Got to see what you got. Well, you know what, guys? They saw what they thought they had in Josh Rosen. They said that guy's not good enough, and they decided that he is not the franchise quarterback. So I feel like they are not going to stick themselves with mediocrity like they did for years with Ryan Tannehill because I feel like they saw Josh Rosen enough that they felt like his ceiling was not high enough to lead this program moving forward. So I'm I'm we're all in agreement. I'm with you, Dookie. I think that would be worst case scenario. I I have more confidence that. This front office and this coaching staff are not going to allow Mm -hmm. that to happen. That if it gets to a situation where either there's one guy left and they have to give up the world to go up and get him, meaning the two first round picks that they have, right, right, Texans and Steelers, yeah, Yeah, they'll they'll give up and or a future pick, whatever it happens to be, they'll go up and get him. Or if they can't get the guy, they'll take a Chase Young. They'll take the the offensive tackle that I know you love for the Giants. Will I, I mean they'll yeah. they'll 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 take the guy who they know My is going to be a part. Though, I know what you're saying, but man, if the Dolphins don't come away with a quarterback next year, <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, but but that would that would only be the second worst case 
the worst case scenario would be to do what what Dookie w- was saying is his That's fear true. is taking yeah. is locking yourself in your to ass. seven more years yeah. of Ryan Tannehill. I do think the people would riot if they took an offensive lineman I versus agree because because the quarterback at least they could put the spin. They could say, hey, you know, people people know from they you know he won a lot. Like they're going to take a quarterback. Stephen Ross. Yeah. If they don't take a quarterback, I just think. Stephen Ross has laid that out there. They're going to take a quarterback. They're going to find a way to take the quarterback they want. And look, we, again, we talk about teams every year. Whether it's the right guy or not, teams fall in love with, enamored with a player, and that's who they go with. And I think the Dolphins will do that. Now, always remember our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money in a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, New York, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years for the best deal in South Florida. The best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. All right, so as the Heat ended last week at 6-3, and three, and they had a 1-2 and two road trip, but, you know, they won a game um, out in Phoenix. They they played poorly uh, in Denver, and which is a place they historically played poorly, and they kind of ran out of gas against the Lakers in the fourth quarter and in a really ugly game. All that said, you felt good with the Heat coming back home at 6-3, starting the new week, and this Dion Waiters story will not go away. Guys, we've been talking about Dion since the offseason. The new look Dion. We did a story as our sports department did a story on Dion, talking about he's looking great, he's feeling great. We all bought into it. I know that he'd have to pull the plug on this. How is this going to end, Clay? Not well, but how does this end? Well, I think the one thing that they were trying to do all along with this was make sure that Dion Waiters didn't mess up whatever chemistry that they had with this team. And, and I think that's what one of the many reasons why I think they were trying to keep him separate as best they could. My goodness, because, they have him out put away anywhere. Right. Well, unfortunately for them now, even if he's not with the team, this whole thing is going to be circling the team for a long time because we've only heard from the Heat. Right now we're recording this on, on Sunday night. We've only heard the Heat side of this. Deion Waiters is going to have a side of this. The Players Association is going to have a side of this. And I guarantee you this is not the last that that we have heard of this. They have suspended Deion Waiters now for a total of 11 games. And that's money. And at some point, he is going to go to the Players Union, and and there is going to be some sort of grievance filed, my guess would be, some sort of whatever the appeals process may exist here. And this thing is just going to keep going on and on. And unfortunately, I, I... I know that they wanted to keep him physically, or excuse me, I don't know this. It felt like they were trying to keep him physically away from what they were trying to build. Now the cloud of this thing, whatever it happens to be, is is going to follow the entire team until this is resolved. What stinks about this for the Heat is this is this is this is so not a Heat way in so many ways. Dookie number one is uh, what they do with Dion. I get it from a basketball perspective, but from a just attention and storyline perspective, it was on TMZ. It was in the New York Post. It was all over the country. Splash headlines, gummies on a plane, and and a I saw it on this at Will Manso WPLG. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, all, all our all our wonderful Twitter feeds: Clay Ferrell WPLG and Dookie Langno WPLG. Uh, all those, all those Twitter feeds. <laughs> Not yet. No, but no. But the bottom line is this: this is, and uh, to Clay's point, it's an, it's an unnecessary distraction that people are going to talk about. Oh, the, the Heat made this problem themselves by signing the end of that big deal, but they really felt strongly what the end could be. They even, I think, bought into it in this offseason of the year. They were selling Dion, right? You come in at weight. You come in strong. Come in the new you, right? 
and we're going to make you look the way Gorin is now looking early in the season. Uh, a phenomenal sixth man of the year candidate and a key component of the team. You know what Dion said? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> nah, I'm good. That's, <laughs> can, not, that's not why I'm playing. Can I tell you what's really going on here? Like kind of the elephant in the room that, that's, that I think is really why this is such a complicated issue. Mm. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on the pod. But there is a mental health component of what's going on well, Dion with, De- that. with Dion, Dion Waiters. Yeah. And Dion had said that himself, that he was struggling with, yeah, with, with de- certain issues. Depression. No, he okay. said the word depression. So now, and, and he spoke to you, he told you about it during one of his off Okay, so now now let's look at, let's take these things together. You have someone who has publicly stated that they're dealing with depression, who had weight issues that, that were known and who's working his way back from an injury, which any athlete, it's a frustrating situation. And now, allegedly, we have an incident involving drug use, right? On well, Now, again, the, the legalities of it, whether, whether THC is legal in Denver and legal in Los Angeles is not the issue. We have a, a question of drug use, mental illness. This is really, really complicated stuff. This is a mess, okay? Clay's right, but this isn't just a players' union. I feel like the Heat have a sense... Like, what never made sense to me is... So the Heat suspended him for one game. Mm-hmm. First game, conduct detrimental to the team. There were reports that he had posted stuff on Instagram. And, no, and yeah, he, we saw and, and he was And matches. he was writing comments about the team and the coach and not taking it well, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay, one game suspension. Then they don't take him on the first road trip. Now we're eight games into the season. Still hasn't played. So it's a one-game, eight-game suspension? Because we're like eight games into the season, and this one-game suspension still hasn't played. Now we're going to tack 10 more onto it. Yeah, I, I, It's just such a bad situation. An situation. And I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what. I mean, and, and this is the truth. Depending on what facts come out about what happened on the plane, because we don't know the circumstances of exactly what transpired with that incident— I mean, the Heat, the, I will say this, the, I want you to keep it going, Dookie, but for the Heat to release a statement the way they did on Sunday and to say what was a very, very dangerous yeah. situation, the, the words in the statement, and then to go on to say that they value players in this organization, value what they do and the way they hold themselves accountable and the way they, in the community and how important it is, the shots they took at Dion and the reference of the dangerous situation tells you, I think, in an in a indirect, kind of direct way, that Dion really screwed up. Or how about this? I think let's take let's look at Dion as let's just keep keep it super basic. Let's just say that Dion Waiters as a basketball player is a bad fit for the Heat this year. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play the style that they play. They share the ball. He's high volume. He just doesn't work. Even in his best shape, they don't need him. They got Jimmy Butler. They got Goran Dragic. Oh, they're good. Tyler Hero. They they, they, they just let's just say none. they don't need him. They want to get rid of him. It's not even a personality issue. Strictly for basketball reasons. That all this stuff happened, while it might be a problem, I would argue it also might be a solution. But how? Here's the, and because maybe I, they release him. Look, look, I, I, but the financial impact. There's, but maybe he voids his contract. At some point, enough is enough, and he'd have to move on. Whatever financial impacts. And look, let's face it. When Dion didn't come back with the right attitude, and look, injury-wise, he couldn't get healthy. Weight-wise, he couldn't get right until recently, until the last few months, and then. As far as the the kind of mindset he had coming in, he hasn't been playing along. This whole deal kind of exploded in Pat Riley's face, Clay. And and it's been a while. This isn't a new issue. The Heat may, to Dukey's point, have to just cut their losses on this one. But how? 
How? How do you just break break apart from this? No, no team seems interested in trading for Dion, given that he has what another twelve million next year on his deal, along with what he has coming this year. And now, given all of this, who's going to want Dion Waiters in a deal? Well, they didn't want him before, and and now there's there's zero chance. And and well, the way I think you would have been able to navigate it before, and I think the way they'll probably end up navigating it is do something similar to what the Buccaneers did with Keyshawn Johnson a, a few years ago where they basically just said, all right, just stay away. We're, we're going to pay you, but just stay away. And At this point, that's what they've been doing. I, really? No, I know, and I think they probably had had plans on doing that for, for quite a while yeah. and, until there was some sort of resolution. Now, not only are you, you likely to do that, but still, if a grievance is filed or whatever it might be, you're going to have him physically away from the team, but you're still going to have this thing hanging over. And I just I think that that, that complicated matters further because I think there could have been a way where, look, Dion, just hang out, you know, practice, let's could keep you in though. shape, he could whatever. You know what? Because he, wanted, he, was gonna, he was rolling his eyes at Coach Bolster, talking back to Spo, talking back to staff, yeah. talking through social media and, and, and emojis and, and being – for lack of a better term, childish. Yeah, I just I just mean that physically physically what they could have done physically has not changed. Yeah. Keeping him away is something you could have done before. Well now you they can get still it for free, right? It. They get to, they get a ten game discount. No, but that's that's the problem is that because of that ten game discount, whatever you want to call it, Dion now has a reason to come back and, and, and ask for money. And and they're gonna I I would be shocked if this is the last that we heard of this this situation, and so that means that there are going to be other things that go on away from the basketball court that this present team is going to have to deal with. And as much as you say you block out the noise, these guys have been around him, and and so it just adds another element. And you know, I it's it's a shame because it's going to overshadow a lot of the good that was going on on the floor, and a lot of it. And I'm talking about the guys that have been bought in from day one when camp started, and, and some of them even before. And to me, that's the real shame out of all of this. And and again, look, you you pointed out the depression side of this. That's very very serious. So let's let's hope Dion the person figures this out and and is able to to get the treatment he needs and is going to be okay. That's the most important thing. I with mean, this. Think separate think from about, that, yeah. I, I want to make sure that the players that have put their hearts and souls into making this team something that that fans can be proud of and and i mean after that loss in la you can still be proud of what this team has done so far so i those are the two things i think are most important here and unfortunately i think there's going to be other stuff involved with this moving forward i mean think about what type of headspace he would have to be in to have an incident on a team flight that would warrant the type of statement and the type of reports that we're reading. Like he can't be in a good place. Like he, it's just that's not yeah, that nobody no. nobody goes nobody has that happen at their work and gets at, in trouble with their work. Who's doing great? Can I say something about to that that? And I know maybe fans hear this and they don't believe it or buy into it because I understand that business is business, an organization. And even as an organization is classy and heat culture vibe and all the stuff that the Heat preach, they'll throw a player under the bus. Every at some point, every organization moves on from a player and moves on and, and maybe leaves them in a just you know, hey, you're not part of this organization anymore. You see it, and even the Heat are guilty of that. It's just part of business, unfortunately. I so I, I preface it what I'm about to say with that. I do think the Heat care about Dion Waiters. I think that they genuinely like Dion because they understand that Dion, and this is a big reason why I like Dion. Dion is that guy that 
he's not for everyone in his attitude and his style and that irrational confidence that Spo has said so many times about him. But it's got he's got that likability because he's so rare to be that way. You know what I mean? If everybody's like that, it's he's a little real. annoying. But he's, he's real. But Dion's Dion. You know what I mean? It's almost yeah. like that's the uh, remember the old one that hey, it's just Manny being Manny, the whole Manny Ramirez vibe where people would could accept the aloofness of Manny Ramirez and people accept that with Dion because that's Dion being Dion. So there is a human element there that I truly think that he care about Dion. But at the same time, when that human element crosses into disrespect, insubordination, and unprofessionalism. A team just moves on and, you know, wish you the best. You referenced it. Clay, you touched on it as well. There is a mental health issue, and there is an issue that's always above basketball that you hope Dion's okay. You don't want anything bad. Whatever that incident was medically, whether THC-infused gummy or edible, whatever the heck it was, you hope that Dion's health is okay and that he doesn't put himself in a situation where he can harm himself physically, emotionally, whatever it may be. But at the same time, this is a business, it is a profession, it is a sport, and if you're not holding it to that standard, a team is going to move on. And I think I think we could all agree, right, the Heat are going to move on. We're not going to see Deion Waiters play for the Miami Heat again. I would be shocked. I mean, it's just that I, I don't even know, honestly, after this, I don't know if we're going to see Deion Waiters in the NBA again. I, I, I He's young, he's talented, but if nobody wants him now, before this incident, which is like Clay said, a cloud over the team. I I don't know where he's going to bounce back in the NBA. Yeah. It doesn't mean he won't play basketball. There's a lot he's of places to play basketball in the world. He's 27 years old. Is and he's, right with he's talented, too. 27 years old. Yeah. I, I, maybe, I think that's what he is. 27 years old. Uh, I mean, when they re-signed him a few years ago, remember Riley was like, oh, he's you know, entering his prime in his mid-20s. I mean, Dion should be. And you know what stinks, guys? And this is the last thought on Dion with, with this conversation. Because, again, as we tape this pod, we enter the new week, we'll see what happens. He's going to be away from the team. The team's going to stay away from the situation for at least 10 games. Uh, but eventually, you can't hide him too long. At some point, it's going to come back to where you got to do something. Uh, he could have really helped this team. He really could have helped this team. There was a role and a place for Dion Waiters on this team, a true need of a guy that when the droughts would come, that L.A. game was a perfect example. The, the, the young guys, the, the two games of that trip, the Denver and L.A. game, were both examples where the team wasn't flowing on offense and Gorn was great and Jimmy was great for throughout the trip, but you needed that other guy and Dion is that kind of guy who can come out and create his own shot and, and give you a shot in the arm, so to speak, with 10, 12 quick points and get you back in the game. And it's a shame because he's blown his chance. He has. He's blown his chance. Uh, you'll ever blow your chance when you go to Vera Motors, when you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera kind of like New York GMC Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Let's end the pod with some Canes talk. They've won three in a row. Jaron Williams uh, had a record-setting performance, six touchdown passes, first Kane to ever do that in the win on Saturday. Uh, This team is, I don't want to say turn the corner because, uh, you know, look, they're, they're not exactly beating up on powerhouses. I mean, they're, they're, they're winning games. Yeah, they beat Louisville at home. Okay, fine. But I do think that the fundamental question of this season has kind of been answered, and that's that the Canes have a quarterback in Jaron Williamson. We chatted a little bit about it after the Florida State game. Now this record-setting performance, there seems to be an upward trend now in Miami, and you've got a bye, then you got FIU, you have Duke. Uh, this is it. They at the way they're looking now, it's a team that can kind of finish on the upswing, and that bad taste, guys, we had in our mouth just a few weeks ago with this team being looking mediocre and going the wrong way. And what's Manny doing? Could end up having an 8-4 and four type bowl-bound season. 
that wouldn't be an awful first year for Manny Diaz, especially if Jaron Williams really is your QB moving forward. No, and I, it, it all depends on what your definition of turning the corner is. I mean, th- this Louisville team that they absolutely stomped over the weekend, that's a team that went on the road and beat a Wake Forest team that was top 20 mm-hmm. before this weekend, and it's a team that uh, has hung in there against some pretty good teams. They beat UVA. Uh, I mean, this is this is not a, put it this way, the Canes have lost to significantly worse teams than Louisville this year. I think North Carolina is a worse team at this point in the year, and obviously different when they played them, but um, Georgia Tech is far worse than this Louisville team is. So I, I think maybe turn the corner if you're talking about getting back to championship level, getting back to the Canes of old. No, mm-hmm. they're not there. No. But yeah. if you're talking about turning the corner as far as figuring out some of the things that were hampering them early on, uh, getting through that that rough uh, adjustment period for a first-time head coach, I, I think they've turned that corner, and, and I think that obviously you have to keep this thing moving, and you have to carry it into the offseason, then your offseason program, and into next year. But yeah. I think you can look back, and DJ Dallas was the one that said if they had a players-only meeting before that pit game, and and obviously something clicked, something changed, and that's great. Um, and, and so while this may not be you know, bringing back memories of, of the 1980s teams or you know the, the championship teams that had so much talent, Talent on it, I, I think you can see the trajectory is good, and I think it's the first time that that you you felt that way probably since that went over Notre Dame back in 2017. I think ever since then yeah. this this program has felt like it was going down, yeah. and and now you feel like you're you're turning the corner as far as moving back up again. Yeah, I feel for the first time this year, I feel kind of at ease with what Miami is is kind of centered itself again. Now look, it, with college football, it's all about recruiting and what Manny does with that next wave of recruiting and, and development, but I do think addressing, look, we spent the beginning of the pod talking about quarterbacks with the Dolphins. I do think addressing that situation with the Canes makes you feel pretty good that do you have some stability there in Jaron Williams that you could feel pretty good about? Let's say I was in a coma a year for a year, right? And I, it, by I, the way, that's a, this is a classic Dookie Lang. I, I was in he a co- starts a thought with let's say I was in a let's coma say I was in a, a coma for a year, right? And I woke okay, up. Let, let's say you were in a coma, and for I a year. woke up Saturday at three twenty-seven, mm-hmm. and I looked at my lovely family. And they said, "Hey, hey, David, the Canes game starts in well, three minutes." They say, "Who are you?" Right. Well, once I once I recombobulated, and they said the Canes game starts in a couple minutes. I go, "All right, great. Let me watch the Canes game." And I watched, and that was the only Canes game I'd seen in a year. And that's that's the team I saw. I'd go, and I had no context of the season. I go, "Damn, look at that quarterback." They got themselves a coach. They got themselves a quarterback. The defense is all over the place. They're looking pretty good. So I think just looking at it, like sort of. In a bubble of just like, where are they at this minute? Mm -hmm. I think they've really put some big pieces together. Now, can I be super excited about a team that's praying for nine different things to happen to win the Coastal? No. But in terms of year one... How can they win the Coastal, by the way? I haven't been reading it. They got to get past Virginia. Virginia Tech has to be Virginia. And then, right, Clay, there's a lot of things that have to... You sound like you're in a coma. Clay, do you know which one... (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things that have to happen, but basically, they can't end up tied with any of the coastal teams that they lost to. And Georgia Tech isn't going to be a problem, but Virginia Tech and uh, and Virginia, uh, Vir- no, they beat Virginia. The Virginia, Virginia Tech, okay. Virginia Tech and uh, North Carolina are the two teams that oh, they need to not be tied. But they're with. game behind Virginia. Right. Virginia. So, so Virginia has to lose to Virginia Tech. 
No, so, Virgi- you you want Virginia to lose one game the rest of the way, preferably not to Tech. This, but this is great, so, great. So, the point is, it's a complex. Is, the if point you're still is, listening to this. Point is, they're not they're not out of it. The point is, it's a complex web of complications. Still win the, the when they're when they're the when coastal. I'm, when I'm feeling better, it will not, we will not be talking about the coastal. So well, listen. Go, can you do a favor? Go in a coma for a week. And wake up at the pod <laughs> next week. How about that? Just for one week. If I were a coma, it's not a way listen, to start listen, an analysis. If, if you woke up from a coma two weeks ago, you'd think the Dolphins were going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs>